I wouldn't get into a startup if you want easy hours and early nights and things like that. Like you're grinding out here and we're grinding and we're meeting on weekends and, you know, getting together a couple of times a week to work late into the night and stuff. So it does push your friendships to the limit, but like we've come out stronger than ever. Hey, this is Jesse here with the second to last episode of 2022, which is with the three-person founding team of WagerWire, the marketplace for sports bets. Zach, Travis, and Guy shared a lot of insights behind their journey as friends and co-founders of WagerWire, including their vision for how WagerWire will change betting from a risk class to an asset class, why they decided on a B2B2C go-to-market strategy, and the story of closing their $3 million seed round this past summer. I had a great time chatting with the guys, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, here we are back with the Betting Startups podcast. And today we are joined by the founding team from WagerWire. The first time I've recorded a podcast with three co-founders. So I'm a little intimidated, guys. Go easy on me today. Uh, I'm joined by Zach, Travis, and Guy. And guys, first and foremost, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? Doing good. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. And thanks for having all three of us on. It's, it's the first time we've all been on one together too. So this is fun. Right on. Well, maybe just to kick off, guys, let's go around the horn here and maybe you can give us a quick backgrounder on your personal journeys and maybe some of the things you've done prior to co-founding WagerWire. And Zach, maybe we can start with you. Sounds good. Yeah. So you've got three co-founders here. We're actually all UCLA buddies going way back, uh, actually in the same fraternity at UCLA and just been lifelong friends ever since. So that's kind of the, you know, the story of our background. But Professionally, I was in finance before this, you know, after UCLA, I was working at PNC Business Credit. We were doing senior secured loans for private equity buyouts. And, you know, it was a good, it was a good place to start your career and see a lot of different industries and see how business gets done and deals get closed. But it was never really the uh, intent for me to, to stick around there the whole time. I've always kind of wanted to get back into entrepreneurship. I had actually started a bicycle tire company when I was uh, just 12 years old with my brother selling bike tires on eBay that eventually grew to be, you know, a family of websites. And uh, we have, you know, 20 employees and a whole warehouse up in Portland, Oregon now running that. So I've just always wanted to get back into the startup world. And then this just really came together organically with the three of us. Uh, you know, they'll each introduce themselves. But you'll see that we have very complementary backgrounds across my, you know, my finance and entrepreneurship. Guys are our stats master. And then Travis is our creative mind. So yeah, why don't I pitch it over to Guy? Yeah, thanks, Zach. So I was, my background is just in statistics and, you know, data science and tech. You know, I was always kind of like the box score kid growing up, like just reading numbers in the newspaper back when there were newspapers. And uh, sort of at UCLA, I did a lot of my like studies. I got my master's there as well, too, in sports stats and sports analytics. Um, I even wrote my uh, master's thesis actually on building an NBA betting model that could like systematically beat the book if you like use the model and wagered strategically. So I've just kind of lived in the, uh, the numbers behind sports my whole life academically. And then professionally actually worked at a couple different sports tech companies, um, gum, gum sports, um, as well as stats LLC. So I've always just kind of lived in uh, startups and tech and numbers and data and just being able to do that at a company that, you know, we're building here is just truly like truly the dream all coming together here. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I second that, third that actually. I, um, I'm i having the time of my life. I actually came from Hollywood before this. I went to film school, worked in there for 10 years. I was a writer, director. I did pretty much everything you can imagine on a film set. And um, one day I come home and we have this kind of light bulb moment on the couch. And I'm sure the origin story will come next. But uh, one of the things we realized and my passion from storytelling and narratives is the betting experience is kind of a broken narrative. 
it leaves you kind of a little unsatisfied. There's limited options. And I don't feel like I'm totally participating in the story. And I don't feel like I'm able to share in that story with my friends. And so what we've uh, come up with here at WagerWire, I think, is the evolution of that sports betting experience and that narrative for people. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate the intros, guys. And Zach, to your point a couple of minutes ago, I think, you know, just hearing you introduce yourselves, that is a very complimentary skill set for a three-person founding team. So super interesting. Um, I want to pull on the thread a little bit further, just to sort of talk about, even but predating the origins of WagerWire specifically, right? And you talked about, you know, your guys' time at UCLA together. Um, let's just talk about that and maybe just sort of how those initial conversations started that eventually morphed into WagerWire. And obviously, this was sort of the catalyst for everything you're doing. Now, just take us back to sort of that time and talk us through that. Absolutely. So, I mean, we've just been the best of buddies ever since then, basically. But, but the idea really originated a few years after we graduated. I mean, it was really PASPA that, uh, you know, when that got overturned and we started thinking about sports betting as a potential career path, actually, and as an opportunity and not just as a hobby. Um, and that's where it started to come together. Uh, and I think really on that front, it was very natural, right? You know, we were always casual betters ourselves, although maybe we're not supposed to admit that in, in California here. But um, when I had placed a bet before the game had started, and me and Travis were roommates, and, you know, by the time he gets home and it's the second quarter, the line had already moved from, you know, minus three to minus 10. And he didn't want to take the live line. He wanted to be on the same action that I had, right? He wanted to take that minus three that I'd gotten before the game and ride that with me. And that was really how this idea came about of, you know, how could we buy into each other's bets? And how could we, um, you know, build a whole marketplace and, and liquidity around bets and active sports bets? And that was and that was really the origin of the idea. And then, like, it was super natural for the three of us to come together and work on this because we were just would be hanging out all the time and talking sports and betting anyway. Uh, and then now just on Sundays, we would pull up the laptops and start working uh, while we're watching the games instead of just sitting on the couch and watching them passively. Yeah, I would say the implications of that inflection point really changed our lives because here, here we realize not only do I not want like the live line I want to ride this bet with my friend right I want to buy it from him and, and by the way at the end of the by the end of the game we should maybe be selling it to our other friends who are on the couch like this is now a fluid social moment then we started thinking about buying into a celebrity's action all this all this idea of hedging while maybe not putting up new capital maybe just selling fractions of your bet. So you start pulling this thing and you realize this is an evolution of what was once a risk class. And now it's becoming an asset class and it's becoming social and it's giving you something to be in, involved in besides just one-to-one -one, you, the book. And that just got us really excited. And we just went hundred miles per hour towards what that, what that meant. Yeah. What I like about origin story is, you know, there's a, sometimes the company begins because two people, three people lock themselves in a room and they start throwing ideas at the wall until like something is like, okay, that's a business, you know? But ours, it did actually happen very organically. Like this was a situation that happened that we talked about. We pulled the thread and now here we are in 2022 and, you know, we're a company. And I think that's like a really cool story in that way, you know, very organic and real. Awesome. Well, let's do a bit of a deeper dive now on WagerWire, maybe just for the benefit of folks listening that might not be familiar with it. Maybe we can just start with a high concept overview of what is it, what does it do, and just what's the overall value proposition of the platform? So WagerWire, we're building a marketplace for active sports bets. So this is where, you know, you place your bet before the game or before the season, if it's a future, and then, you know, halfway through the game, your team is up. You have this kind of asset now that's actually in the money, if you think about it, right? Like the odds have moved in your favor. The win probability has increased dramatically. So now you have this bet that that's value has increased. But what do you do with that? 
Traditionally, you would hedge that by putting up money on the other side. Uh, you know, the sports books have rolled out this cash out feature where you can sell your bet back to them for pennies on the dollar. Uh, but that just never really satisfied the, the need that we're going for here that you should be able to get, you know, a fair market based price, you know, tap into that unrealized value of your bet. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the, the example that really hit it home for us last year, too, as we were building and busy on business development and everything is that, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals here with Travis. Uh, is a huge Cincinnati guy. You know, that's where he was, uh, you know, grew up and family's still from there. And, you know, they were 100 to 1 odds at the start of the season last year. And then they go all the way to the Super Bowl, right? And, you know, Travis actually went to the Super Bowl. Uh, and if you had a bet that you had been holding, you know, you just bet 100 bucks at the start of the year. Now you've got a ticket that could win 10 grand. Uh, but they do have to win that last game. And you know, kind of maybe deep down that it's going to be a tough one. I going to be tough. To jump in, go ahead. <laughs> it's gonna, what, you know, you're in a tough spot, right? Because you're like the Bengals. I'm just happy that they're there. I got this bet, right? And I'm not going to cash it out because that's like, what well, I'm, I'm giving up on my boys, you know? But I kind of want to sell part of my action to Guy and Doc to get a little bit off the chips off the table. Yeah. And I think that this is where, like, a, this is a perfect utility for WagerWire. It'd be awesome, guys, if we could just go through kind of what the user journey is like, right? And also just for me to understand, like when somebody's selling one of their bets, right? Who are they selling it to? And just kind of like take us through kind of like, I guess, the marketplace mechanics. And I'm also interested in maybe just unpacking sort of how the economic model of the transactions work. So really the core of what makes WagerWire work is these partnerships with the sports books that we're forming. So you're going to be able to trade any bet that originated with any one of our partner sports books on our platform. And then we also have a plug-in version of the, of the tech where a sports book can now offer bet trading right inside their app and it'll be powered by our back end. So really as a user that comes to WagerWire, the first part of their journey is syncing their sports book accounts. So you're going to, you know, if you have an MGM account, a, a DraftKings account, you type in your username and password for those, you sync them in. Now you can read back all your bets. You can see them all in one place, which is actually a cool utility too, just in itself. You have this kind of portfolio tracking aspect to it where you have a kind of universal wallet for all of your bets. And then, you know, we're taking it that step further where you're going to be able to then, you know, post your bets for sale. And so it's not just a tracking app. It's actually, you know, this interactive, engaging marketplace. And then, you know, there is a uh, there is a modest transaction fee associated with the trade. It's definitely less than what a VIG would be if you were placing a hedge bet or or some or placing a primary bet. So it is going to be some of the sharpest lines around that you can get. Um, and then ultimately, it's another person buying the bet on the other side. You know, there's basically this peer to peer marketplace that we're setting up. There might be opportunities to, you know, provide some liquidity and kind of help the gears get moving in the beginning. Uh, as we get the marketplace going, but really it should be, you know, organic buyers and sellers driving the the vast majority of the volume. Awesome. So am I right then that you have a B2C product, a B2C app, the WagerWire app? Um, but then as you say, Zach, you have, uh, I guess, the ability for operators on a B2B basis to then basically integrate that same tech into their platforms. I guess in, in terms of where you guys are at from the product perspective, you know, what's been the focus so far? Has it really been getting sort of that B2C marketplace up first or sort of where are you at just from sort of that product, I guess, evolution perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think the beautiful thing about what we're building is it's kind of one and the same, right? Like in order to build the B2C app, we need to build the B2B infrastructure. So it's, it's really just like a step along the way in terms of getting everything out there. And that's sort of why we realize that the two parallel products really need to kind of coexist. 
um, because, you know, we want people to be able to go to the WagerWire app and play around there and see all their bets in one marketplace or in one, you know, app in one place. But then also if you're, you know, a favorite sports betting app, be it MGM, FanDuel, Caesars, you know, DraftKings, whatever, being able to trade right in there as well too. So um, yeah, we, we are currently building the B2C app, but in that process, the infrastructure is, you know, coming, coming right there too. And that's where we actually kind of think of ourselves as a B2B2C. We're kind of molding the two together into one because I think it really is like I was saying, like it's one interconnected marketplace engine. If you post your bet for sale within the Sportsbook app, it's going to also pop up and be viable on the WagerWire side of things. It's really one marketplace that kind of ties it all together. Um, and, it's, and it really has different value props and, it, and it's really the best way to deliver the, the product to as many people as we can because you get you know, a lot of eyeballs and a lot of distribution through the sportsbook apps. Uh, but then we're also not going to sit back and just rely on the sportsbooks to market this thing and to get it in people's hands. Like we, we're out here driving this betting uh, mentality flip that we're going for, where you're placing your bets before the game, expecting you to sell them later. I don't think a lot of people are doing that right now with cash out, even being even though that it exists. I don't think a lot of people are placing their bet, you know, planning to sell it later. And that's what we want to kind of instill in people. Awesome. And just sticking with the B2C side for a second here before we segue to the B2B questions I have, you know, you talked about sort of that user acquisition, which is notoriously challenging. But the other thing I'm thinking about is just the fact that this concept is relatively new. So there's obviously a customer education component. And Travis, maybe for for you, a bit of a storytelling component. So I'm just sort of curious, um, you know, how you guys are thinking about that, just from that overall sort of user acquisition and education side of things. Yeah. Well, we feel like we're the tip of the spear as far as education and better responsibility goes. We don't have a misaligned incentive. We're not taking risks. We we're we prefer you to be a good better and we want to help you on your journey. We're going to build a place that you can manage all your bets. You can see all your money. We're operating within all the responsible um, gambling limits, regulations. You can set limits for yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But this community that we're building, it's all about educating and empowering each other. And I think that's what's maybe different about what you can do on WagerWire selling to somebody else than what you could just do if it was you against the house. And I would even say what you could do on an exchange, because this is a very low barrier to entry. These are the bets that you place that you have anyway. And now we're giving you some agency over it, just like you would flip out of a stock or flip your Jordans or buy some crypto. That's how you can treat your bets. And that comes with a really excited community that's already buzzing. Um, and we have, you know, seven spaces a week or seven days a week. We have spaces actually we have two shows a day on Twitter. Um, most of that's, you know, gambling, pop culture, but a lot of it is education. Um, and, uh, we want to be a part of this new educated, uh, gambling base. It's not taking wild swings. They're kind of betting like they would invest. Awesome. And then I want to ask, as I say, just about the B2B side of it real quickly and anything B2B within this industry, uh, is, you know, challenging, right. And obviously anytime you're talking about integrating technology with an operator, there's all sorts of complexity that comes with that. I'm just sort of curious, guys, sort of at this early, I guess, stage of the journey that you're on, what are some of the conversations I guess you're having with operators and, and specifically, what is some of the feedback um, you're hearing from operators just insofar as maybe where this type of product fits within their portfolios? And yeah, just sort of curious to hear what those discussions have been like so far. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, it, it's the biggest opportunity and the biggest challenge of our business is that the, the sports books, they're these large companies, right? And a lot of them kind of just recently realized that they are tech companies and they need to have a tech first approach and that they need to optimize their product experiences or else they're just going to be bleeding CAC dollars and marketing spend and crazy sign up bonuses and things like that. So 
really our, our discussions with them have never been better. They really see the promise in the concept. It really comes down to, you know, just prioritization of getting it on the queue of, of the of the jobs that they have in mind for the next few months. But the value prop for them is pretty clear. It's this product differentiation, right? The first partners, our flagship partners that we'll be launching with are going to have a feature that other books don't. And that actually is valuable to them in the marketplace when they try to compete for new users and market share. And then there's a customer acquisition angle to this. If I want to buy Travis's bet, then I'm going to have to have a sportsbook account for that mm -hmm. sportsbook. So through that flow, we're introducing new users into the ecosystem. And then it's, you know, it's a reason to re-engage. You know, someone's going to come back to their sportsbook app because they want to see if their bets are up or down today. And that's kind of like a different reason to come into an app and spend some time there and actually kind of re-engage. The, the sportsbooks see that. They see this as a really interesting, powerful tool that can be part of this kind of this next phase of the sportsbook, uh, sport betting, you know, industry in the U.S., and then it really just comes down to, you know, we've only got so much bandwidth and they've only got so much bandwidth. Finding the right times to plug in and everything like that is really what we're just kind of working through right now. Awesome. Well, let's zoom out a little bit, I guess, from the product. And I want to talk a little bit about just the funding journey to support all of this. Obviously, developing, you know, technology and a platform at the scale that you have requires resources. Uh, you guys announced a $3 million round this past July, about six months ago. I'm just curious if you could sort of reflect back on that time and maybe share a little bit of your experience, you know, being out there on the roadshow, pitching WagerWire, and maybe some of the feedback you heard from investors through those conversations. And just, yeah, if you can give us sort of a, an arc of the overall funding journey and, and obviously where that led to uh, with the $3 million raise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we're very, very excited to have that raise and to have some, you know, really impressive backers and, and true partners, really. Like the, uh, you know, our lead investor, Roger Ehrenberg, is, uh, you know, one of the co-owners of the Miami Marlins. But before that, he was just a very storied seed investor. Basically, he had some really massive wins in the 2000s and 2010s, where he was like the first check into some companies that went public. Trade Desk is, is one of them that you maybe have heard of. So he really knows what he's doing. He's got the Midas touch, if you will, of kind of finding the right startup. So really, our, our journey was kind of broken into two parts of like before, get, before meeting Roger and finding our lead and afterwards. Uh, you know, before finding Roger, we were just out there, you know, hitting people up on LinkedIn and trying to find sports betting VCs to talk to and things like that. And it was a much scrappier journey. And then Roger, once we met Roger and we kind of found our lead investor and, and were able to get a term sheet that we could then, you know, go and bring around to other investors, it really changed the game, frankly, because there's just so much respect for what he's done. Uh, he's also invested in smart kids. He's invested in simple bet. Uh, better, uh, you know, Joey Levy and Jake Paul's new new venture as well. So he does know his way around the space specifically. And then we were actually able to get Joey Levy from uh, from Better and Simple Bet to be one of our backers. He invested in our seed round as well with his 305 Ventures. Uh, a number of other industry, you know, people, Rick Wool from his, you know, fantasy background, FSGA, things like that. You know, Cardinal Sports Capital out of Toronto and New York as well is one of our backers. So once we kind of started to get some pieces on the board and it started to coalesce, then, you know, things just kind of fell into place. And it was not an easy time to raise money, right? Like the economy was not great. If you think back to that time frame, you know, we were even worried about like World War III popping off and Russia was invading Ukraine. And like this, it was kind of a crazy time, frankly. And so we were really happy that this came together the way that it did. And now we have that runway we needed and, you know, the, the funding we needed, like you said, to get to get this thing off the ground and what is, um, you know, a fairly capital intensive industry because of all, all the regulations and everything that you have to deal with. 
I have to say, and leading into that, I mean, it was the three of us bootstrapping, you know, not taking any salaries. We had to jump from otherwise lucrative, promising career just to, to take this dive. And I think that grit, that those, those two, those years together, really, it kind of bound us together as friends and now as founders, but it gave us the chops to impress these people, the people that Zach's talking about that found us and are now part of our journey. I mean, you can't just like walk up to them. You got to, sh- they, they have an eye for talent, but they have, they, they got to know that you're, you can grind. So if you're out there grinding and you're trying to raise money, just don't stop grinding. Cause if you grind hard enough, like these people will appear in your journey. And, and a shout out to our uh, friends and family round that we had before the $3 million seed, because those people knew us and they believed in us and they believed in WagerWire and what it could become. And they were the, the very, besides our original fuel, they were the first follow-up fuel of the fire that got us to that seed round. So thank you for all of those people who joined our friends and family round too. Awesome. And I guess just with, you know, securing the bag, you got the $3 million in funding a few months ago, and obviously we're in the home stretch now of 2022. So looking ahead to 2023 and with this bag, um, what are the major milestones that you guys and the team are focused on achieving for 2023? And yeah, I guess like what does the next year look like for WagerWire? Yeah, so we're really excited. We're going to be launching our product in uh, early 2023. So we'll be announcing a a date shortly and we're going to get our product out to market. So that's going to be, uh, you know, obviously a big milestone for us. And uh, also what we've been working on and what we're really excited about is building out the the team here as well. So we've been really lucky and fortunate to get some buy-in from some folks that have, you know, a lot of experience in the industry. You know, we went through our backgrounds earlier. You know, Guy does have some experience in the sports data industry, but for the most part, the three of us are kind of newcomers into the sports betting side of this and the, and the operator and, and, you know, vendor side of this. So it was really exciting. We got, uh, you know, we have some backend engineers who had helped build this market system in the U.S. Uh, we've been able to get, you know, we're working with, you know, the head of content from PointsBet. Our compliance officer was the chief compliance officer at PlayUp. So we have like some industry experienced uh, team members now that really complement us well. And, and it's a really nice foundation for what we're doing. And yeah, I think 2023 is going to be a big year. We're launching and then I think we'll probably be out raising again. You know, uh, we put up some good numbers on the initial launch and then we're going to be right back out there raising a Series A to go for the, uh, you know, the nationwide takeover, if you will. So let's say five years into the future, if you guys had your crystal ball in front of you, where do you see WagerWire in five years time in your wildest dreams? What does life look like in five years from now? We want WagerWire to be the first stop for a better, actually. We think we can be not only a secondary market, but possibly a primary. If you fast forward five years, we want to be interconnected and integrated with every sportsbook operator in the country and be basically this, you know, infrastructure level type of technology that's basically the clearinghouse for bets. And then we can be your first stop for content, for social. This really should be, you know, the first place you go to because it's going to have the sharpest lines on the secondary market. And maybe you don't see the bet you want on the secondary, then by all means, head to one of our partners or or place a primary with us. But we think we can be this kind of hub that sits around and is plugged into all the operators and really just drive this evolution into the next phase of sports betting that everyone, you know, is excited about getting to. Yeah, we love the idea of WagerWire kind of sitting in the middle between all of the sports books and being like the great, you know, connector between them. We think that's a super powerful position to just be, you know, best friends and a money making engine for ourselves and for all the operators in the industry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's way bigger than that. But if you look at these other industries who have come to maturity and the gambling industry, especially digitally, it's, it's very new, right? And you look at like financial, what are the, Zelle, all these 
all these banks get together and they say, hey, let's all send money between each other. Like, that's good. And let's all share in it. I don't think WagerWire is that much different than a concept like that. So the upside is actually, I think, going to change how the industry operates and interacts with each other. Love it. Um, I also wanted to spend just a minute here, guys, just talking about your co-founder relationship, right? And like we sort of talked about at the outset, you guys started off as friends through through college and obviously that friendship has persisted and now you've co-founded a company together. And I guess what I'm interested in understanding from you guys is, first of all, like what advantages do you think it gives you co-founding a company as friends? And I guess maybe on the other side of that coin, what unique challenges does it present? And I guess just on the journey you've had so far, like how do you think about all of that? Yeah, we, we think of it as a massive advantage, frankly. I mean, we trust each other innately. We almost know each other's perspective and what we're thinking before we even talk about it and we get around the table because we just know each other so well after, you know, a decade plus of friendship and everything. So it's been awesome, frankly. I wouldn't get into a startup if you want easy hours and, and early nights and things like that. Like you're grinding out here and we're grinding and we're meeting on weekends and, you know, getting together a couple of times a week to get to work late into the night and stuff. So it does push your friendships to the limit, but like we've come out stronger than ever, frankly. I don't think we even had a too bad of an experience at any time because like we just kind of naturally coalesced and, and fell into these roles. And our business is kind of interesting because there are kind of two distinct sides to the, to the company. There's like this content engine and this marketing side and this community side that Travis has done a wonderful job of kind of building the team around and getting the community started. And then we have this product machine, this this, you know, this engine that's being built and that runs like a very well-oiled tech company that's doing sprints and it's week in and week out and it's grinding and building out this engine. And Guy has done a masterful job at kind of putting the team and pieces together on that front and being, you know, the chief product officer on that front. So it's Shout really- Shout out to Sam, Mark, and uh, Miles as well too on the engineering team. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like those guys are, those guys are beasts. And, uh, and so it's just really like- Allians, we call them our stallions. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, so it's been pretty natural how it how it's worked out. But yeah, but I definitely hear you that it's like you're 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 grinding in a startup. So don't I wouldn't like take the decision lightly of who you pick for your co-founders if someone's out there thinking about getting something started. There was a, it was a cool moment when we were at a G2E conference. I think it was like the year before. And it was like the three of us who had like a Venetian suite, just like after the very first night of, you know, schmoozing and talking all of these different sports books, like walking, you know, the four of G2E is just totally wild. I just remember like sitting in the, sitting in the suite with the two guys and being like, man, whoever thought it would be a cool idea to start a sports betting company with your like two fraternity brothers in Vegas and going to conferences and just hanging out, like. Pretty good idea because it's it's quite an epic uh, situation to be in. Yeah, here, here. Well, uh, the, the one other thing is I never have to worry about where they're coming from or their intentions. Like we're we all know that we're going to do what's best, and then we just put our minds to it. So that's it gives you some peace, you know. Awesome. My standard closing question, guys. I'm going to go around here and ask each of you individually. So I'm not going to assume you've heard it. So I'll just quickly rattle it off. If each of you weren't working on WagerWire or in betting or in tech, or you haven't worked in any of your previous careers in a parallel universe, what would each of you be doing instead? And Guy, maybe we can start with you on that one. Yeah, I really had to think a lot on that one. But I don't think you could ever totally take the numbers and data out of me as like a professional as a person. So if it wasn't in the whole sports or tech or anything like that. I do think politics is super interesting to me. I think it's probably an untapped potential of maybe, frankly, smart people in many ways um, and analytical people. And I think the, you know, the whole way polling and electoral college and things like that work, I think, I think there would be some pretty good opportunities to really disrupt that space um, analytically. Interesting. Travis, how about yourself? 
I think I'd be a popcorn farmer, actually. It runs, I mean, it runs in my family generations back. Um, I love popcorn. And there's something about when that starts, reaches that boiling point and it reaches that inflection and the kernel turns inside out. You know, those are the moments that are exciting to me. And I think there's a metaphor somewhere in there. Well, I'm going to have to Google what a popcorn farm is after we finish recording here. <laughs> but that sounds intriguing. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's a little tangential to what I used to do, but it is different. I, I'd be degen trading crypto, if I'm honest with myself. Uh, <laughs> I'd be out there. I mean, hopefully not blowing myself up like all these hedge funds are these days. But I think that's what I'd be in. I, I just, for some reason, that industry just like, I find it really fascinating and just like the trading aspect and how much human psychology plays into you know, trading cryptos because there's really nothing back in them. So you're just riding momentum and riding ups and downs and buying low and selling high and things like that. So I think uh, I think that's what I'd be doing. I'd probably be locked in the basement 18 hours a day doing that if I wasn't doing this. There's uh, an open penthouse in the Bahamas with your name on it, Zach, if you ever want right. to. I've heard it's exactly. on iPad right now. <laughs> too, too soon? I don't know. <laughs> too funny. Awesome. I mean, that's, uh, if I'm being honest with myself, I think that's what I'd be doing. Although it's not in a huge favor right now as an industry, obviously. <laughs> yeah, probably be working at McDonald's over the winter here while you wait for the bull market to, to return. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've still got my worthless NFT profile picture. So there you go. <laughs> right on, guys. For folks listening that want to check out the product and or get in touch with you guys to learn more about it, where can you point them to to do all of that? Absolutely. So if they're really interested in signing up for the for the wait list, they should go to our website, wagerwired.com, type in your email, and then you'll be on our list for when the uh, when we're you know rolling out the product. But I would recommend that they follow us on Twitter. I think that's our main audience. That's our main community at wagerwire on Twitter. And then they should also follow WagerWire Live as well, because that's where our Twitter spaces are all uh, kind of archived and posted from. So if they want to jump into the community, we always follow back. So give us a follow. We'll follow back. We'll reply to you. We'll actually interact with you. We're not one of these big uh, nameless organizations that doesn't you know, have a good time on, on social media. So we're just trying to be a good hang and we're sports betting people and even just sports fans in general can just um, join the conversation. You know, we also just post some funny memes and stuff along the way. So I think I, I would encourage people to to check us out on Twitter for sure. Awesome. Well, I'll drop links in the show notes to Twitter and all of the other channels where you guys are present. But in the meantime, guys, really want to thank you for joining the pod today. It's been a blast to chat with you, learn more about your story. And, you know, it sounds like big things are coming for WagerWire. So really looking forward to continuing to follow the story and wishing you guys all the best for the year ahead. Hey, thanks, man. And we big fan of your show, by the way. Really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, we're, on, we're honored to be here, Jesse. Yeah, this has been a blast.